What's up, everybody? 9.56, Sunday, July 10th. I uh, had a great Sunday today. This is Billy Ray talking to you from the Sons of Saturday. We have an awesome episode for you again this week. Our friend Grayson interviewed Virginia Tech legend and play-by-play for football. He is back in the booth. Bill Roth. Bill Roth answers some fan questions from you, the listener. You helped us put this episode together, so thank you all so very much. We also want to thank and promote our friends over at Main Street Pharmacy who do an incredible job taking care of the Blacksburg community and taking care of you. Prescription medication, over-the-counter medication. Uh, is it over-the-counter over you don't need a prescription for? Not really sure. But if you need a prescription or you need some hauls or you need some Tylenol or you need a Gatorade and you're on Main Street, head on down to Main Street Pharmacy and Lord Dr. Jeremy Counts will take care of you. Again, after this, we'll be moving over to an interview with Bill Roth and Grayson as Bill Roth is back in the booth and you all submitted your fantastic questions. Trying to think if there's anything else. I know Sam Jesse has an article going out that's a collaborative piece. Um, He's rocking with the Top 5 Tuesdays. That is a thing that we're going to continue to go with, um, and I don't think we've announced what it's about, but you will see on Tuesday. I think that's everything. A lot going on with conference realignment. There's not really much to tell you in terms of breaking news, unless you just want to read stuff that's all kind of people guessing. So I know we're going to have a conversation about it here soon. Not too sure what may happen, but if something large happens, we will get an emergency podcast out to you as quickly as possible. But anyway, happy Monday or Tuesday if you're listening to this on Tuesday. Hope you guys get after it and have a great week. And here is Grayson and Bill Roth. What's going on, sons and daughters? Back with another one for y'all today. Our our guest needs no introduction. We got Bill Roth on the podcast today for a second time. Bill, I was actually, uh, I was looking, last time we had you on was March 29th, 2020, early pandemic days. I remember that. It was you, Pat, and myself. You were down in Florida, uh, and, and you came on. And so, Today is going to be a little bit different. We're going to we're going to structure this a little bit different. It's going to predominantly be a mailbag episode. Uh, you so know, this is like the best of Carson. Like it's the middle of the summer. Joan River is unavailable. They can't get any guests. Everyone's then, on vacation. Everyone everyone's in Palm Springs or in the mountains, and and so you've got to do the best of. That is just not true. <laughs> that is just not true. You know, it's interesting. We've we've had a lot of people. They said, you know, with with Bill coming back, you you guys should get him on, um, which obviously we're happy to do. But I do want to say we're going to link the March 2020 episode to to this article as well because that's kind of a broad spectrum about who you are as a broadcaster, how you got your start, your time at Syracuse, the up and coming element to the. Virginia Tech sports media and analytics program, but we we are going to talk about that as well because that has grown exponentially. Uh, what's what's going on with that, Bill? What what should we be excited about? Uh, we, before we press record here, you you told me something about that. What's going on with Virginia Tech sports media and analytics? Well, we're going to have 250 Hokies enrolled in the program in the fall, and we're actually adding another professor of practice. We completed interviews last week. The search committee did, and the hiring committee will make a decision here in the next week. And we had some great applicants. It is amazing to me, Grayson, how many people from around the country in sports and in sports education, right? People who have been professors at other schools, major schools, want to come to tech. Uh, and, and I'm excited about it. And we need the help. 250 is a big number. That's three full football teams. So That's, that's a lot more. That's yeah. a lot more than my time. It's great. It's it's been so exciting. It's fun for me, and as we talked about it, the uh, the relationship with with students and watching them grow and get better. You know, our our mutual friend Evan Hughes won the Nance Award last year. This year, Kevin DiDomenico finished 
in the top five. He was an All-American. We've had a first-team All-American in that three years in a row. And I'm so proud of those guys who are working so hard to get better. And the obligatory tip of the cap to the Hokies administration that's helping every, everything we've asked for, everything I have asked for, a studio or equipment or gear or money, or I want to take 12 people to New York. That was an expensive ask. Uh, the answer is always yes. That's fantastic. I mean, to see what that program what because the the focus, the the sports media and analytics focus didn't even exist when I was a student. It, it started, I think, two years after I graduated. And just to see, you know, the, the kids in the gym, as you say, getting shots up and, and doing their thing uh, outside of class and, and they're, you know, fully dressed in suits. And I see guys like Jake Lyman and Giovanni Heater in there doing their thing. And it, it makes me so proud and so happy to be a part of, of helping build that. Well, you were uh, there when we started. You're the oh, yeah. creation of it. Oh, yeah. Don't ever forget that. I'll keep reminding you of that. <laughs> I don't want to take too much credit because it, yeah, obviously I was surrounded by so many infuriatingly talented classmates of mine who were just killing it in their, in their respective f- fields right now. So um, before we get into this, uh, this mailbag episode, I have to ask, we, we had some news out of the ACC scheduling today. This uh, this three five five situation going on, uh, most notably for Virginia Tech, Miami isn't going to be on our schedule until 2025. Hokey fans, Miami fans, college football fans in general, they took to Twitter today. They're not happy about this. What's your take on this new scheduling? What do you think of it? Well, number one, I think getting rid of divisions is a good idea. I don't think the coaches would agree with that. I talked with Coach Pry about it. I think coaches like to play for a division title. Uh, I think that when they decided to stick with eight games, instead of going to nine, it created a, not a paradox. It, It boxed them in a little bit about what the models can be. I would like to play at least nine conference games, but, Remember now, if you're Miami uh, or back up, if you're Florida State, your big game at the end of the year is Florida. It's an SEC game. And if you're Georgia Tech, your big game is Georgia. And if you're Louisville, it's Kentucky. And if you're Clemson, it's South Carolina. So you're already playing an SEC team at the end. Virginia Tech, we don't have that, right? It's not like every year the Hokies end their season with Tennessee or we don't play Auburn on Thanksgiving, right? Right. all right. So you're 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 making a big rival game and then you add another conference game, you really limit schools flexibility. So going to nine was never going to be an option. Right. And so they stuck with eight. And to do it, they came up with this three, five, five model, which I like. I don't know that anyone except for maybe North Carolina and NC State are in love with the three opponents that they got. Uh, and, and I think losing Miami annually does hurt. That was a great rivalry in the Big East and in the ACC. Virginia, Pittsburgh, and Wake are the Hokies' new rivals. I don't know that 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 she's a cliche moves the meter for Virginia Tech fans. But what I do think is that the Hokies will play Clemson, Florida State, or Miami, one of those three teams every year, and they will play two of those teams twice during the cycle. And who knows what it's going to look like in five years, right? I mean, there may be a totally different model for the postseason. Uh, I, I I like it in that you'll get to play more people. There will be more variety of schedule. What I don't like, Grayson, is that to me it appeared as if the ACC focused a little bit too hard on keeping it fair instead of creating better television inventory. And that's my TV background coming out. And here, this is why I think creating television inventory is more important than maybe a lot of folks think. Starting this year, the SEC moves to ESPN exclusively. There's no more CBS game. So the SEC is going to be able to put at least five games every weekend that are great. Some game, some weekends, more than five games. Where are the good ACC games? And when Texas and Oklahoma join that league, they're going to have seven blockbuster games every week. And so like Florida State Clemson are going to be played like Wednesday night. I mean <laughs> – and and the Virginia Tech Wake Forest game, even if both teams are nine and one, 
It's that's not you. You can't move the meter on a national television basis by having teams that are an hour and a half from each other. We've right. seen it over and over and over, unless they're Auburn and Alabama. Uh, and so I would have liked to see better inventory, but to do that, you have to say, we're not going to be fair to the teams. And they already do this, Grayson, in basketball, Carolina and Duke got to play twice every year. Is that fair? Right. Right? Sometimes to create better television inventory, it's not fair. The Yankees and Red Sox play 19 times. The Red Sox have to face the Yankees 19 times. Well, the, Cleveland's only got to face them seven. Is that fair? It's no, what's good for TV. It's what's good for ratings. But Cleveland might have a better record than Boston. And, 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 and Boston's going to say, I had to pitch the Aaron Judge in that lineup 19 times, right? <laughs> and we're going to not make the playoffs and Cleveland will as the wild card? Yeah, it's not fair. But if you want to compete with the SEC, we need better games. And I don't know. I think Virginia Tech should play Clemson every year. I think Virginia Tech should play Florida State every year. Now, when a coach hears that, they're going to slap me. They don't want to do that. And right. so it's not fair. Sure. But I think it, it, I think the ACC has, some, has three really good football programs and a chance to have a fourth. And they got to play every year. And we're not doing that. And in an effort to be fair. And, and so I understand it. But I, I wonder if you're a high school kid and you never get to see these ACC games because Saturday is wall-to-wall SEC football, now on ESPN, that, that, that in the long run it could hurt. Sure. No, I agree. I, th- I think a lot, of, a lot of ACC fans at large probably feel that way, feel like they got kind of screwed over. Uh, I definitely feel that way. But, you know, that's just you, one you, you don't want to play Wake every year. I think it's great if you're a fan. Right. I mean, like this year's schedule is amazing. You can go to just about every game. Heck, if you live in Richmond or Lynchburg or anywhere in central Virginia. Three hours away. You can make every home and road game except Pitt without going to a hotel room. Yeah. You were just talking about this. Pat just mentioned that. It's like every away game this year is is doable, is drivable, uh, which is is great. So enjoy it while it lasts, Hokie fans. Um, Some more news out of Virginia Tech, specifically the broadcasting department. Zach Mackey, new director of broadcasting at Virginia Tech. This is breaking news. Uh, hasn't been announced yet, but we're having him on the podcast uh, this Friday. And uh, you said he's going to be the one doing Tech Talk Live. He's going to be traveling. He's going to be doing men's basketball. What should Hokie fans expect out of our new guy? What, uh, what should we expect? Well, number one, he's a great fit for tech. He's got an amazing voice. He's got great experience. He's a tremendous guy. That's why he's a great fit. He's uh, he's from uh, Western Illinois, but he went to Iowa and he interned and worked in the University of Iowa football recruiting office for Coach Ference. And we, you know, it's funny, Coach Ference in 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 Iowa is revered much like Frank Beamer is in Virginia. And he spent four years in that program. And I think that that really helped him. He, uh, until this year, broadcast the University of Iowa baseball seven years with the Hawkeyes. It's a Big Ten team. He, in essence, was the number two broadcaster at Iowa. Whenever there would be a football-basketball overlap, he would fill in on the basketball side. So he's broadcast Big Ten basketball games and with, at, at a really high level, right, for, for Iowa. And then for the last three years, he got his own. He got to run his own shop. He was director of broadcasting at Montana State, and they had great success. They went to the NCAA men's basketball tournament. They made it to the championship game in the FCS playoffs in football. And so they've got a really passionate fan base. It's probably not as big as Tex, but but don't insult a Montana State fan. The Montana Montana State rivalry is legit, sure. right? And 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 he he's been around it. He's done coaches interviews and coaches shows and podcasts. And so we really liked. The fact that he he had major college experience inside a football program and with the Iowa baseball program, a major Big Ten school, and did some work with Big Ten Network as well on television. And then he ran his own shop for three years. And so uh, I think you're going to love him. He's got a great voice, a warm delivery, and Hokie fans will love him. Fantastic. Love to hear that. Can't wait to meet Zach. Uh, we've been talking to him, so really, really, uh, really excited to have him on the show and, and get to know him. What we're going to do, Bill, is we're going to jump right into this mailbag, the letters from the lunch pail. Uh, these are all submitted on Twitter, got a lot of responses. 
A lot of good questions. Um, first one comes from JJ Singleton said was amazing to meet you last year. If you could call a game with any two broadcasters, who would they be? I'm going to assume he means two broadcasters you haven't worked with and maybe they could be dead or alive. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I would love to share a booth with Vin Scully. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great choice. That would be I just yeah. to sit there and learn and listen and and converse with him. I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, I'll make a lot of people mad because um, some of my, I mean, I've done games with Tariko and McDonough. So it's going to be people that uh, I haven't done a game with. I'll go Vin Scully. And for Braves fans out there, I'll do Skip Carey because I think that'd be a lot of fun. Sure. Absolutely. I like that answer. Skip. What, what about Harry Carey? Would you ever get in the boo of Harry Carey? Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Joe Rogers, 38. He asks, do you have any previous experiences from Prize early years? He was a graduate assistant in the 90s. And I remember... I didn't play, but I remember he would always play the noon lunch ball in the back gym. They play basketball every day. Okay. Go down there. So, like, whenever you were looking for somebody, we need to get in. We need to get into a room. We need to get into the defensive staff meeting room. We need to get into this room. And all the coaches that the the, the full time guys were at lunch. You'd always you'd always go to the back gym at Castle. One of the GAs has a key. Go get it. <laughs> That's so funny. I had to, you know, Joe Rogers. He's the man. I. uh I noticed he was the only yes or no question uh, on here. So I got to kind of put him on, on last. Do you have any previous experiences from prize early years? And remember like in class, you'd say, well, if you ask Greg Popovich that he would just say, yes, next question and move on. So I'm so glad you learned. See, yeah, yeah. I knew you were paying attention. I knew I, it. I was paying attention. Absolutely. Shout out to Joe Rogers. Uh, Al Jones. It says, Bill, welcome back. What was your favorite call slash game versus UVA? Well, it will be hard to beat 1995 when Virginia Tech had already won the Big East, but the league did not have an automatic tie. And that, that era, it was called the Bowl Alliance. And so to go to the Sugar Bowl, the Hokies had to win in Charlottesville over a really good UVA team. And they won, as everyone knows, the Jim Druckenmiller rally in the fourth quarter, sealed by the Antonio Banks Pick six on the game's final play, followed by Virginia Tech fans storming the field at someone else's stadium and trying to tear down their goalposts, <laughs> which hasn't happened since. It probably won't again. I think they take that a little more seriously up there now. Sure, absolutely. I, I always, you know, I was born in 1995, but I, I've seen the footage and when Antonio right. Banks is running down the sideline and the coach or GA or whoever it is tries to trip him. Uh, I just think that is the craziest thing in the world. Number four, I'm going Rover asks, who would be on Bill's VT football Mount Rushmore during his tenor players only? You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I know you know a lot of them. I mean, you know all of them, so, but I do like this question a lot. What's my yardstick? Who had the best college career, the best pro career, who made the, the biggest impact? I think I think it's a combination of maybe all of those things. I think the least important is, is NFL. Okay, so how about this? Just chronologically, how about Cornell Brown? Because he changed things. He made it cool for the elite player in the Commonwealth of Virginia to play for Virginia Tech, and he ended up being a great player. So I'll go Cornell, and I'll go Corey Moore. And I'll go, I guess I got to go Michael Vick. And now you're making me choose between like Kevin Jones and D'Angelo Hall. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is tough. That is tough. Wow. Um, wow. Hall. D'Angelo. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why D'Angelo? You know, he came in, he started right away as a freshman. I thought he was the best defensive player as a freshman coming in and you could tell that he was going to be a great player. And I think much like Cornell did in 95, um, Hall made it, D'Angelo Hall made it very cool for the, uh, for the elite elite player to come to tech. Sure. 
And I remember having a long conversation with Jim Cavanaugh, who was an assistant coach. He says, why does everyone think we're the little engine that could chugging up the mountain? We got every, we got better players than everybody else in the league because we won a lot of recruiting battles. Like D'Angelo Hall would play for everybody else in our league. And now we look back on it and we know it. Uh, they had to, they had to really recruit him hard out of Chesapeake. So I think, I think similar to, similar to Cornell, I think D Hall did the same thing. Wherever Coach Cab is these days, I hope he's doing well. I I was just talking to Chris Ellis, and he said that Coach Cab was his primary recruiter, and yeah. said that you know, I, the way it was always described to me is that Coach Cab could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves, and so and so I I, I I've heard that and just the the recruiting wins that that man had. I it's he's, he's got a Charlotte. great track record. He's in Charlotte going to his grandkids' football games. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Which is exciting, uh, just to see him watch a little little kids play around. I'm sure, you know, Cav was a straight shooter, and he he believed in relationships, and he didn't have to check in at the principal's office when he went to a high school, because he knew everybody in the high school. He knew all the coaches. He knew the principal. He knew the guidance counselors. Grayson. He knew the cafeteria workers. And they knew <laughs> he was coming, and they knew he liked tater tots and thin crust pizza, and they would have it when he'd show. And because he would go to the same school year after year after year. And even if there wasn't a player to recruit, he would stop in. And, <laughs> and, and when you're tight like that with people, you, you learn about players when they're in seventh and eighth and ninth grade. And that's what Cav did. And he worked at it, but he liked it. He liked building relationships, not just with coaches and players, but, but people who were around those schools. Recruiting has changed. I don't know. I don't know if you can win – recruiting battles these days by being chummy with cafeteria workers, but it doesn't hurt. Sure. Absolutely. John Earl, the fourth asks best stadiums besides lane. Of course you've called a game in. Best stadium besides lane. Besides lane. I've been asked this before. It doesn't exist anymore. My all time favorite stadium was before they tore it down was the orange bowl because of its tradition, the vantage point, the radio booth hung off uh, the radio booth hung from the upper deck. And when the fans would stomp and jump up and down, the booth would actually sway. Wow. And I, but a great vantage view, a great view of the field, great vantage point. You and uh, you and Chris Ellis have that in common. He said one of his favorite away venues to ever play in was the actual Orange Bowl. Yeah, not not the game, not not Joe Robbie Stadium or Dolphin Stadium or Hard Rock right. Stadium. Yeah, yeah, the it's where the Marlins play now. They tore the Orange Bowl down. They built the big league baseball stadium there for them. But you know, I, I to me it it was I, I vividly remember the Hokies playing there, and it, it was identical to when the Jets won the Super Bowl. You saw on the facade of the upper deck, the city of Miami welcomes you to the Orange Bowl, and from the radio booth, you'd look to the right, and you could see the palm trees and the Atlantic Ocean. And you could just feel the, the 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 great dolphin games. The the best college game, two of the best college games I ever saw were played in that stadium. Number one was the Miami Nebraska game, and the best NFL game I ever saw, which was the Chargers and the Dolphins. The Kellen Winslow game was there. Like so, some of the greatest games in the sport were played there. And, and when I think back of Keon Carpenter's 100-yard interception on that field, and just so many great. Virginia Tech moments, Brian Randall throwing a touchdown pass to Eddie Royal in the east corner of that end zone, right? And, and now the stadium doesn't exist. Right. You know? um, but so many great memories for me. So, the, so that's what it was. I mean, the new stadiums now, they're they're like, it's like broadcasting from a Ritz-Carlton. Santa Clara, amazing. The uh, On TV now, like the, the new stadium in Detroit, it's amazing. It's like, the, the, it, it's bigger than a two-bedroom condo, the TV booth. Right. So, but that, you know, it's nice and there's a restroom and there's a refrigerator and there's a counter for your notes and air conditioned and all that. But uh, in terms of character, Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl. OK. Glenn with one end. This is an interesting one. If you ever got the chance to call pro wrestling, hence WWE, AEW, TNA, what would be your catchphrase? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Can I pass? Can we come yeah, back? Come back to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. But yeah, I, I saw that question. I was like, oh, yeah, we got to throw that in there. That's funny. 
Uh, Evan Norris, what was your favorite game you remember calling to date? That's tough. That's a lot of pregame shows. Had the Hokies won, it would have been the Florida State Sugar Bowl. Mm. There were a lot of great moments in that game that we don't remember because FSU won. Right. Uh, I think Michael Vick um, and Shiron Stith and some of our guys on defense. I mean, we 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 played a great team that that day that night, um, but we lost. Uh, the Nebraska game 13 years ago, uh, the one at Lane was, was one that, that sticks out. Yeah. A lot of wins over Virginia. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, I think, I think the, when, when Virginia Tech won at Texas A&M at the time, that was the biggest crowd to ever see a game there. Now they've since expanded the stadium at A&M, but that was pretty big. And the Virginia Tech also won the biggest, the, the the biggest crowd ever at Lincoln when the Hokies won that game in Nebraska. So at one point, and and Morgantown because they had expanded. At one point, Virginia Tech had won the game with the biggest crowd at Nebraska, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Texas A and M, and in Morgantown. Wow. <laughs> That's great. I actually didn't know that. The uh, the Lincoln Memorial, or the the yeah the Lincoln right. game, they, but they've expanded their stadium since. In fact, there was a sixth Ohio State. Yes, that was the That's biggest no crowd to ever see a game at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. That's right. I By the way, if you ever if you're ever in Ohio and you go to a bar, they've got these really nice felt uh, flags that they've made, and it and it shows Ohio State twelve and one. 2014 national champions, 2014 Big Ten champions. Just remember what the one is. Always got to remember what the one is. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, Ohio State, you know, that's that that was a great win. I mean, the Hokies didn't have a great season, uh, but that night they were really good. Sure. Freshman year, September 6th. I'll never, ever forget that. Um, James, actually, let me back up. Sean Kim, I apologize. Sean Kim, with what you've experienced at UCLA and ESPN, what is your honest view of VT Athletics' brand as a whole and football specifically? I think tech is known for its fan base. I think it's known for having some of the most passionate fans in the country. This past year was tech's best year in some of its Olympic sports, which is a credit to those coaches and players. I think that's probably growing, right? With the success of football and, and I'm sorry, with the success of softball and baseball, but I think it really comes down to football because there's so many more eyeballs on football, uh, playing in big games, playing in primetime games, going to postseason, playing meaningful postseason games. That's what we got to get back to. We, we've gotten into this Decade where Tech's gone to some postseason games, but they haven't been what you would call meaningful postseason games, right? Um, so I think Tech has slipped a little bit in in that regard. But winning solves that. I think we all know that. Absolutely, James Copeland. Funny memory or a few from traveling on the road with the football team that you can share. Well, I've told a lot of these stories before. Uh, one time we got lost at Boston College. We couldn't find the stadium. We're driving in from the airport. We're following the directions. This is pre-GPS, Grayson, which I know you don't even know a world where there was no GPS in your phone or your car. But back then, we're driving around. We couldn't find it. We end up trying to get to Chestnut Hill. We're west of the city. We end up in Cambridge. We end up on Harvard's campus, and we're driving around. I'm like, we found the wrong school. And there was the Harvard Law School. So Burnup goes, Mike Burnup goes, pull over, pull over. And he gets out of the rental car and he runs into the lobby and comes back out after about 45 seconds. And I go, all right, where do we go? He goes, I don't know. And I said, well, what did you do in there? He said, nothing. I just always wanted to be able to tell people that I got into Harvard Law. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you another Burnup one. Okay. okay? 
This one's a little longer, but but try to picture this, folks listening at home. Uh, we're on a plane. We're connecting. I'm not sure where we're flying. Commercial flight. Commercial flight. Uh, I'm on the window. Burnup's on the aisle, and the middle seat is empty. So we have the row for the three of us, but the middle seat's empty. And there is one of those seatbelt extenders that the previous passenger who had sat there left on the seat. You know the seatbelt extender for the really, you know, very heavy people. Sure. For obese passengers, the seatbelt doesn't fit around them. They have right. this massive belt, a seatbelt extender, extendo belt. Right. So it was there. Okay. So, well, Mike Burnup thought that that was the demo seatbelt for the flight attendants to use when they gave their pre-flight safety instructions. Okay. That was his first mistake. Mistake number two was he thought that this full-figured woman walking down the aisle was a flight attendant. She was not. She was just a larger-than-average woman wearing a nice business suit. And so you can imagine her reaction and mine when Mike picks up the extendo belt and says, you may need this to this woman coming down the aisle. Oh, my gosh. He was mortified. He had no idea what he did wrong. Right. I'm like grabbing something to hide my face. I grab the safety card and I'm like burying my head, pretending to read that. Um, grab the Sky Mall at the time. He, yeah, I think he damaged that woman's psyche for life. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Very. I mean, <laughs> you feel bad for the woman, but that is I mean, that's comedy. That, that is very, very funny. Uh, Brett Stretch, just a few more, Bill. Brett Street Stretch, I hope I got that right. How big of a difference was it going from the booth to the classroom? Did you bring anything back to VT from UCLA that you felt that they did better than us? I think there are a lot of things that tech does better than UCLA. <laughs> um, you know, what UCLA does better is recruits elite athletes and wins national championships and, and, it's not a culture. It's that they you live in Los Angeles. How many people live there? Right? Yeah, good Lord. Millions. Yeah, it's it'd be from from you don't have to you have a two-county area. You can recruit LA County and Orange County and pretty much win a national championship in softball. Someone brought that up last week. They said, you know, how does UCLA do it? And I said, I said, does it culture? And I said, no, like the all-time, the all-time softball team of the 20 players listed like 16 or UCLA players. This is my, I'll leave you with this. If UCLA was a country, if UCLA was a country, it would be fifth all time in Olympic medals. Wow. Actually. Yeah, that makes sense. That's insane. But yeah, I mean, UCLA's won more Olympic medals than Spain and France. <laughs> it's yeah. like, Number one is like U.S., China, Russia, Germany, UCLA. UCLA. Okay, so but it's population base, right? If if tech coaches could recruit Montgomery and Pulaski County, because you know, well, we got we got seventy five Division one prospects in baseball in these two counties, we're good. It's just not that way, right? And 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 so that's the that's the big thing. What I learned, from, I, the, the kids in the classroom teach me, man. I'm I learned things like um, millennial phrases and how do you snapchat so (laughs) (laughs) this one comes from uh from a fellow uh school of liberal arts and human sciences and communication graduate riley wyant have bill tell the story of him roasting grayson and i in class for our attempt at a boston sports podcast i think that I think that was the first time he ever gave me a grade below a b well that was much farther below than a B, Riley. But <laughs> well, uh, you know, fortunately for you, Grayson, you are still protected under federal privacy laws, and I'm not allowed to discuss in public your academic work whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I recall the you know Bill had this assignment and we had to do a live podcast in in class and I was paired up with none other than equally as extroverted Riley Wyant and I remember at the time I was a senior Riley was a junior and at that point I think this was a spring class so I was just kind of over the whole 
doing school thing. And I, I, I thought at this point, it's like, oh, how hard could it be? We'll get up there in front of the class. We'll, we'll talk about the Celtics. We'll talk about the, the, the Red Sox. We'll talk about the Bruins. You know, it'll be a cakewalk. We'll feed off each other's energy. And uh, I think Riley and I shot way out of our league, completely underestimated just how the, the lack of broadcasting chemistry we had with each other at the time. And not to mention all eyes of the entire class are on us, but you have Bill in the back staring us down. And you could see it on his face. These two completely underprepared for this assignment. And, and we paid for it. Uh, we, I, I, we got like a D or something, but we deserved it. We deserved it. Uh, and you know, I, I have this picture from that day and it was, it was a Snapchat that Riley took and it was, it just says when that moment, when you get absolutely flamed by Bill Roth in front of the entire class, I'll never, ever forget that. It's a funny, you funny know how moment. proud I am. You know how proud I am of Riley who's doing such great things in Richmond and of you mm-hmm. doing such great things in LA. So uh, it, it it all paid off in the end. I was about to about to say Riley's absolutely killing it right now in, in RVA. So so shout out to Riley Wyant. Uh, a couple more. Eric Barnes. Bill, how happy are you to return to the booth in Lane Stadium? Really excited about it. Obviously, to work with Burn Up, Mike is a dear friend and and my crew. It's the same group that I had. So Johnny Alga is back and our statistician Carter Myers is back. And, um, you know, it's funny to start this over with Coach Pry. It's like it's almost like it's the Beamer era starting again. Right. And to be to to go through it again. And and I and I joked with David Teal, the fine writer for Richmond about I feel like it's a reunion tour. And, and I, I plan on playing the hits. Grayson, I went, I saw an Eagles concert this summer, right? The Hotel California reunion tour. Absolutely. And, and as a concert goer, I mean, these guys have been touring since I was, I mean, they started in the seventies. This is like their 50th year touring. And it's not the same band as it was. They are still the Eagles and they still play all of their hits, Hotel California and, and all, all the great songs. But, but, you know, Glenn Fry died, and Vince Gill is now playing guitar and singing along with him. And Brent Pry is our Vince Gill. We're going on tour again. Opening night is in Norfolk on a Friday night under the lights in the seven five seven. And 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 Coach Pry is our Vince Gill. We've got a new lead guitarist in our band, um, but I think we're going to play the same hits again that the previous band played, and that's kind of my goal. I love that. Absolutely love that. Uh, You know, there is something very nostalgic uh, for, I think, a lot of Virginia Tech fans about, obviously, you returning to the booth. But then you have a guy like Brent Pry who's coming in. And, I mean, you've known him for a very long time. And he was part of that 1995 staff that won the Sugar Bowl over Texas. And he was around Coach Beamer and Coach Foster and all these talented players. So there is a – great element of of nostalgia around the Virginia Tech football program right now that I think a lot of people are excited about while everyone is also looking looking to the future um my I I have a couple of last letters from the lunch pail uh two questions from yours truly one what is your go-to order at substation two uh it depends it depends if Hamid's in a good mood uh, and it'll really do do something special for me. Ordinarily, it's the large roast beef all the way minus onions. Okay. Chips in. What kind of chips are you, you rocking with? Ruffles. Ruffles, always. Okay. And the benefit. If Hamid's in a good mood, I get a cookie. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. No, no, no. I get a cookie. What kind of beverage? Depends. Depends on what the scale says. Ah, uh, Fair. Understood. Ice tea. tea with a couple sweet and lows. Okay. Yeah. All right. What's yours? It's I always do the roast beef, and I'll do it all the way. I I love it all the way. Uh, every now and again, you know, I'll pull a Paul Spalding, and I'll do the the special of the day. Uh, he would always do that. So if if I was if I was in the mood to try something new, I'd do the the, the daily special, whatever that was. 
but uh, always a Dr. Pepper to drink. Always had to do the Dr. Pepper over there. Had a great soda to carbonation ratio. Um, and then the last one for you, Bill. Favorite small batch bourbon uh, that we still, Pat, Billy Ray, myself, whoever else, we have to share after a Virginia Tech football win. Woody Woodford for me. Woody? Yeah. Okay. Why Woodford as opposed to like Knob Creek or Maker's Mark or just something? Uh, uh, it's a little smoother than Knob Creek, right? Uh, maybe a little sweeter. I don't know. It's funny. Like, I will say this. So, like, it's I'm, I'm down at my place in Florida now, and it's been blazing hot. And a, a nice – I've been drinking Maker's and this is going to be sacrilegious to like native Kentuckians or bourbon aficionados, but like I've been doing makers with ginger ale as a cool drink. That's I, I, I'm kind that's of digging great. that. Yeah. It's a really cool, refreshing, you know, uh, when it's 90 degrees, I'm not a big beer drinker. So I'm sure. unusual. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of big like, drink at all, but, but <laughs> um, yeah, I would, I, I would, I would, I would definitely tend towards Woodford. You're like my old man. He doesn't. He doesn't drink a lot of beer. He's a big bourbon guy, and just you know, you know, unless it's like an ice cold Corona on the beach, he kind of stays away from it. But I love the I love the ginger ale and the and the and the uh, Maker's Mark. That you know, a lot of people have kind of their summertime and then their their fall and wintertime beverages. So it's funny. So every year, Burn Up and I would come up with our summer drink, right? Okay. Like 15 years ago, like when Bacardi first uh, launched uh, Bacardi Limon. I don't, I don't think there's any alcohol in it, but like that was our drink of the summer. Right. And then um, <laughs> we went out, we went out the rest, we went out one night and I don't know where we were. It was, it was on a road trip. I don't know, St. Thomas or somewhere down there. And they brought us Singapore slings, which again is a, is a tremendously potent, but very sugary drink. Um, and then that became our drink of the summer. And then one summer we went heavy mojitos that's a sugar drink too. But this, 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 see what happened is then we gained all that weight from drinking all that sugar. You don't want a sweet sugary drink. Cause those, the, the day after is brutal. If you have too many, it's, yeah. it all, we're going to all be in Destin next week. It's a, it's a tradition. We've been going since the eighties to Destin, Florida. Okay. Every, every July 4th, Mike has a big house down there on the beach. And so we go down there. Uh, there's always a f- coach or two former teammates. Uh, this year, Billy and Ann height are coming. Fantastic. So he'll be there with his uh, with, with daughter Bryn, and they have a baby, and and Mike's girls, Jenna's baby, and we'll go out on the boat and just have a, an amazing time. So, but um, I'm driving the boat this year, so that means Diet Coke with a lemon for me, man. That, <laughs> there you go. We'll put on your sunscreen. That's how I'm. Uh, you know, infinitely jealous. That sounds like an absolute blast. But, invited. Uh, we were invited. Burn Up and I were going to start our own podcast, by the way. So here comes the tease. You're supposed to ask the guest about their upcoming movie, right? Okay. To ask about ask about the new podcast Burn Up and I are starting. Okay. So do you want me to just like take it as, as oh, I go? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> run. Okay. All right. So you guys, you and Mike Burn Up have a podcast that you're about to do. What what's the premise of this podcast, Grayson? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> what's the premise of the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Burn Up and I we're gonna do, we're going to do a podcast. Some of them will deal with this year's team. Some of them will deal with what's going on on a week to week basis. It'll be a Virginia Tech football podcast, but we're going to create some legacy podcasts. So, for example, we're going to do something with Coach Height next week in Destin. We're going to sit down with Bruce Arians. We're going to sit down with some of other. Of coach uh, of, of coaches, friends, uh, ACC commissioners, retired commissioners, TV people. We're going to do some stuff that that we're going to be able to keep and archive. And in ten years, we'll go back and be able to listen to that again. You know, we got to get this stuff on tape while Burn Up and I are still remarkably somewhat lucid and and, and know what's going on. And we're going to record a whole bunch of things and keep them. And I got the idea from a guy in Kentucky. Uh, this past summer, he said, you know, we don't have anything with Coach Rupp and and uh, Kaywood Ledford, who was our legendary announcer here. And I said, you don't have anything? He says, all we have are like pregame interviews. He says, we don't have anything with Coach Rupp, who's no longer around, right? Talking about his team and his players and the tradition at UK 
and the segregation of UK and the SEC and basketball. And like, wouldn't it be fascinating to hear that interview? Absolutely. So, and UK doesn't have it and and there's no way to get it now. Right. So uh, we're going to do some interviews this starting this fall with, with me and Mike and, and, and whether it's coach Arians, coach Beamer, Bruce Smith, whomever that, that Grayson, your kids will hear, right? Because they're not going to degrade. It's digital. There's no tape that's going to decay in 30 years. And you'll be able to hear that stuff when your kids are, are our age. That's incredible. That's fantastic. You know, however, uh, however oh, let me ask, ask me what we're calling it. What, oh, yeah. What's it, what, what's it going to be called? What's the name? Another great question, Grayson. Thank you. I should, you know, this, you're, you're giving me hints here, but I, I'm just listening to you talk. You so know. the radio booth at Lane Stadium is on the seventh level. Did you know that? I did. Very, very top of the stadium. Sure. Right up where the lights are at the very top. Okay. Seventh level with Bill and Mike. Seventh level with Bill and Mike. Very creative. When does this podcast start? Uh, before, before, sometime in August. Sometime, sometime in August. August. Yeah. Okay. So we got a lot. So that's our, that's our, our band is back together. Except instead of releasing it on vinyl, right? Like the Eagles did with their Absolutely. first, yeah. It'll, it'll be- <laughs> well, however, uh, however, Sons of Saturday can can get involved and support that that podcast. We'd we'd love to we'd love to support you guys because that's that's great. Love the idea, love the inspiration behind that. Um, you know, and we'll just do this. We'll end it this way. Sharky, shout outs, Bill. Uh, this is your time to. To shout out whoever, wherever, uh, how can we find you on social media? Um, you know, this is your time. You have the floor. Wow. Well, I want to. Th- I, I want to say this to all Hokie fans. It's great to be back. I missed you all, so it's nice to be back in 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 the captain's seat in that radio booth. Um, you know, we've got. I want our fans to be really passionate and really. Um, attached and attuned to our team, our coaches, this coaching staff has worked so hard getting ready. Okay. Um, they have worked really hard, but, but understand also, right. Our, our fans are smart. I think I know. And that they, <laughs> our, our, our fans know that like Nebraska's had five straight losing seasons mm-hmm. and, and Florida State's had four straight losing seasons and they're spending an awful lot of money trying to rebuild. And they're this group, Coach Pry, this staff, this athletics director—they've—they've they've got a, a great plan, and but we need our fans to be a hundred percent in on it. That's that's the thing because there's going to be some dicey moments, man. We're trying to turn us trying to turn a cruise ship around here, and and it's it, 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 this isn't a, a two seat, you know, outboard fishing boat, right? This is a. <laughs> this is a this is going to take a while to turn around and get going in the right direction. But I, I know for a fact we've got the right captain there. We just need to have everybody rowing in the same direction. And, and, and I think our fans are there. I think they are too. Uh, I'm excited about the fall. I'm excited with, with everything that we've done. You know, the baseball team had an, an incredible season. The softball team did as well. Wrestling's doing great. There's a lot to be excited about right now. We're happy to have you back. I It's going to be – I won't fully – realize that you're you're back in the booth until I hear you call a game in the fall, which I think everyone is super excited about. But if you got nothing else, Bill, thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate you. Come back anytime. And uh, we look forward to hearing seventh level with uh with Bill and Mike Burr. Love it. Thanks you my friend. Appreciate you. Yes sir. To wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said